So today I just kind of want to give you kind of a one-shot thing that's going to hopefully help all of us um, understand two, two things. One is how God has created us and what that means. And two, then, how he's gifted us and what that means. And even though we're not going to get into a lots of details, one of the things that we've got coming up is on August 13th, and that's day we'll be doing another um, spiritual gifts workshop. So you'll hear me mention that through my message because the things we talk about today are able to be put in practice when you really discover and find out where your giftedness is. And so it's going to be important to be a part of that workshop on the 13th from 9 until 1130. So let's just jump in because actually I've entitled this Taking the Plunge. So we're just going to jump in. Let me ask you, do you remember the very first time you stood on the end of one of these? Anybody? That was real similar to what I grew up with in my hometown. And I can remember that, that fear, that apprehension. I can remember that uncertainty that came into my life at the age of about eight or nine. When the park at, in my hometown in Brazil, Indiana, um, Brazil, Indiana, put in a new pool at the park. And all of us, all my friends, man, all the, all the kids that summer, we headed to the park to be at the pool with everybody else. I mean, it was, just, it was the biggest thing that happened since the pigs got loose at the county fair. You know, I mean, it was just really a huge thing. So we all head to, to the pool, and we're out there, and we're hanging out, and, you know, we're playing, we're swimming. And I, I want you to know, I've never been a great swimmer. Uh, I've never actually liked the water all that much, but, it, you know, you just, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. I just have never been a really great swimmer. I tend to sink more than I do swim, so maybe that's part of it. The ironic thing of that is my, my dad actually, for the last almost 35 to 40 years, has put in swimming pools. That's his job. You know, he has, they have a pool business at my at my mom and dad, so kind of ironic, I don't necessarily like pools, but that's what he does, so, and I, I helped build a lot of those, so anyway, so all those kids were at this pool, we're swimming, and we decide, let's go, let's get in line to go off the board, and even though I didn't want to, you feel that pressure when about 40 of your friends are going, no, let's go, let's go, let's go, and so we all go, we get in line, and we're talking, we're laughing, we're hanging out, then the inevitable happens, and that is this, it's my turn. And now, there were about three to four steps that you went up, and then you got on the board, so I walked up those steps, climbed up, walked out on the edge of the board, and it happened. I froze. I mean, I froze. I looked down, and I saw the water, and I froze. Now, it was only about three to four feet down, kind of like this three to four feet down. It may as well have been 150 feet because I, I just froze. My stomach started hurting. I started getting dizzy. You know, I'm saying to myself, am I going to die? You know, what's going to happen here? And I really wanted to just turn around and get off. But as I began to turn, 40 of my friends are back there going, jump, Jones, jump, jump, Jones, jump. And so... I didn't know what else to do with my stomach turning and the fear that was inside of me. I just jumped. And guess what? I didn't die. 
I didn't drown. And actually, it was kind of fun. And so I got out of the water and waited on my buddies. And when they all got out, we went and did it again and again. And here's the thing. I would have never known how fun it was and what a rush it was unless I had jumped. Unless I jumped. You see, there are some things in life that you don't know how good they are until you take the plunge. And you just jump. The Bible contains a similar kind of principle, and it's found in Psalm 34, verse 8. And this is what it says. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, again, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Indiana. And growing up, I kind of grew up on a meat and potatoes kind of diet. I mean, honestly, growing up, my mom was a phenomenal cook. Lucy has testified to that. My mom was a phenomenal cook, and so we just never really went out. I mean, we just never did. We, we just ate at home. And so it really wasn't until I was married to Lucy that my taste in foods began to change and expand. And I can remember the very first time that I had this thing called Mexican food. <laughs> this hot, spicy food. And I was with Lucy, and I was with her mom and her dad. And we were, we were at this Mexican restaurant. It was in Houston. And I can remember them trying to get me to eat this green, mushy stuff <laughs> that they called guacamole. And I can remember thinking to myself, if you think I'm going to eat that, you're crazy. <laughs> I mean, that stuff looks like a bad sinus infection. Man, I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> but let me tell you, after 34 years of eating that kind of food, I've got to tell you, man, I've tasted and seen that. It's good. It's good. In fact, one of my favorite places to study now is, is Chewy's. I go there and study two or three days a week. Now, a little bit different than Adam. Adam goes for the chips. I do like the chips, but I just go to study because I like the food. Every weekend, I, almost without a doubt, every weekend, Lucy and I, either Friday or Saturday, we go to Guapo's up, in, uh, um, up that way. Uh, Fair, Lakes. Fair Lakes, that's it. Up in Fair Lakes, because it's one of our favorite places to eat. We go and get fajitas. It's awesome. You see, I've tasted and I've seen that it's good. And since I've moved here, my tastes have even expanded more, especially with a son living in Africa. Our tastes have really expanded. Now, one, one, one thing I want to uh, clarify that, and that is this. It has not expanded to the extreme of Jim Pruitt. <laughs> Jim Pruitt will eat anything. I mean... You remember the old commercial, Mikey? You know, give it to Mikey because Mikey eats anything. That's Jim Pruitt. He just literally eats anything. So I haven't expanded to that point, but I have expanded. Now, here's the thing. There are some things in life that you'll never find out how good they are until you taste and see. Until you taste and see. And so this morning, my hope is that you'll take the plunge. My hope is that you'll jump. My hope is that you'll taste and see that the things that the Lord has for you are good. They're not there to hurt you. They're not there to make you fearful. They're, they're good things. If we'll just taste and see. Pray with me as we begin. Father, I thank you for this time. 
and I thank you for this day, and I thank you for these next few moments. And God, I pray for open hearts and minds, and I pray that you will just flood us today with your spirit. May he infuse us, Lord. And may you help us to see those things that you have for us, those good things, those things that you have for us to do. And Lord, may we jump. May we take the plunge. May we taste and see that you are good. It's in your name we pray. Amen. In the Old Testament, before Jesus showed up on the scene, God's spirit worked through a select group of people called priests. And these priests served as mediators between God and his people because the average person just didn't think that they had a direct line to God. And so they had to go through a priest. But when Jesus showed up on the scene, I mean, the religious culture was literally turned upside down. As he began to say things to everyday normal people such as this, he would just look at the crowds and go, look, you guys, you're going to be the light of the world. You're going to be the city that's on a hill that can't be hid. And, and you guys, you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. And you're also going to love your enemies. And you're going to be my witnesses to a lost and dying world. You will be my witnesses. And as you do these things, you will begin to accurately reflect the love of God that's within you. And he would say these things to just normal, run-of-the-mill people right in front of these official religious leaders and priests. And then on the day of Pentecost, a bunch of those non-priestly, ordinary people who had walked with Jesus, they were all gathered together. And the book of Acts says in chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit of God invaded that place. And it blew through their lives like this mighty, rushing wind. And something that looked like tongues of fire, symbolizing the gift of God's Holy Spirit, just settled on everybody. And not just on a few select, but on everyone. And from that moment on, the message was clear. This is for everyone who follows Jesus. This is for everyone who takes Christ into their life and into their heart. Everyone now has direct access to God through God's spirit that lives within. And here's the thing. God's spirit has always flowed through ordinary people who are willing to be used by God. Now, here's what I want you to think about and to imagine, just to picture in your head. Can you imagine a community of believers where everyone saw themselves as supernaturally empowered by God? I mean, think about that. Having a group of, of believers, a community, a church, where everyone saw themselves as supernaturally empowered by God, and they saw themselves as priests. And every one of them took their role seriously. And what if everybody decided to pick up the serving towel and serve as Jesus told us to do? And everybody lived beyond themselves. I mean, you talk about a church that would be incredible. You talk about a church that would turn the world upside down. But here's the problem. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians today in churches all across our nation aren't living that way. 
I mean, they're still in this mode that serving is not their responsibility. I mean, after all, isn't that the reason we have paid staff? I mean, isn't that their job? And as a result, people go through their Christian life hugely unfulfilled, and the church just limps along powerless and frustrated and ineffective in its mission to reach the very ones we are called to serve. And guess what? That is not what God had in mind for his church. It's not what God had in mind for his church. I mean, there's a ton of evidence in the scripture that shows us and tells us that God has gifted and called every one of us to be priests, to be ministers, to be servants, to be ordinary people who are just trying to live extraordinary lives, to be real players on a real team of real world changers. I mean, that's who we have been called to be. I mean, look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, but you are the ones chosen by God. We've been chosen by him. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. Here's the cool thing. All of us who claim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, man. All of us. We are chosen and we are called and we are saved and we are redeemed. We are recycled, we are equipped, and we are gifted to make a difference in this dark and dying world that we live. Now, it's one thing to accept this truth about who you are. But it's quite another thing to actually step out to the end of the board and jump. You see, it's one thing to accept the fact that God has equipped you and called you to serve, that he has called you to live beyond yourselves. But it's quite another thing to step out with your knees knocking and your stomach turning and actually take the plunge, to actually jump, to actually taste and see that what he has for you is good. Now, I want to spend a moment in 1 Corinthians 12. Because I think this can help us to begin to get a handle on what we are called to be. And I want to read it from the Message Bible because I really like the way he phrases it here. The Apostle Paul writes this in verses 4 through 7. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere. But they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere. But they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere. But God himself, he's behind it all. And then I love this. Check this out. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. You know why that's cool and why that's important? It's because it's not about us. The gifts you have are not about you. God doesn't equip you and give you gifts so that you can show who you are and how good you are and what you're all about. He gifts you because he wants you to show the world who he is and what he's about. That's why I love that verse. 
and everybody gets in on it. Look what it says. Everyone gets in on it, and everyone benefits. Everyone benefits. No one is left out. All kinds of gifts are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. And the variety is wonderful. And when we begin to live that out, our lives benefit because we start being fulfilled and used uniquely by God. And the church benefits because we start playing as a real team of world changers. And the world benefits because we become God's agents of truth and, and compassion and generosity and hope as we were meant to be we were called to be. So what exactly is a spiritual gift? Well, I, I, there's a lot of definitions. I like this. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that gives to each of his, he, that God gives to each of his children so that together they can advance his purposes in the world. Let me say it again. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children so that together they can advance his purposes in this world. And this supernatural gift is given to every person who invites Jesus to be both Lord and Savior of their life. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. So, when I talk about a supernatural gift, I am not saying that you're going to be faster than a speeding bullet. I'm not saying that you're going to be able to leave tall buildings in a single bound. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what... It's about. It's supernatural because it comes from God. And he's the God of the supernatural. The Bible says that once a person is in Jesus, he or she is empowered to use their gift alongside everyone else to advance the purposes of God in this world. And this gift develops as the person grows and matures and puts that gift into practice on a regular basis. So, how can we understand and develop the gift of gifts that God has given us? Well, I just want to give you just very basic things this morning, just a couple things that will help us. But that's why it's so critical that you sign up for the spiritual gift workshop so you can begin to discover those gifts. So first of all, realize and accept how God has wired and gifted you. Realize and accept how God has wired and gifted you. In other words, God created you to be you. He created you to be you. He didn't create you to be me or anybody else. He created you to be you. You are unique and you are special and there's nobody else like you. And I don't know if you know this or not, but that's a good thing. Okay? But because he created you, he's the one that equips you and he's the one that gifts you to be who he has created you to be. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 11. It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone, get this, he alone decides which gift each person should have. In other words, God doesn't give us this special catalog and say, here you go, I want you to pick out a few, rank them in order, and I'll tell you what, if there's anything left at the end of the year, I may give you some in, our, in your Christmas stocking. He doesn't say that. The truth is we have no control over what gift God gives to us. Through his spirit. You remember what the verse said? He alone decides which gift each person should have. We don't control that. And you know what? That's a good thing. And here's why. Because God knows us a lot better than we know ourselves. 
He knows us a lot better than we know ourselves. And we might ask for a gift that doesn't mesh with our personality, that doesn't mesh with who we are, that doesn't mesh with the way God, God has wired us. Or we may see a gift in somebody else, and because it looks appealing to us, we decide that's our gift as well. You ever know anybody like that? I have. Again, I was a worship pastor for 16 years. I had lots of people come and talk to me about being in the worship team. I mean, after all, it's cool to, to look up here and to see the instruments and to hear people play and to hear people sing. And it's an upfront ministry, man. You're up front, right in front of everybody. And there's people that really think that's cool, but they can't play an instrument. They don't even know how to hold one. You know, they couldn't carry a tune in a bathtub, let alone a bucket. But they think because they have the gift, they ought to have the gift. So they come to you and they say, hey, I think I've got the gift of singing. I think I need to be in the worship team. But that's not how God wired them. That's not how God wants to use them. And when that happens, let me tell you, there's some problems just waiting to happen. True story. There's a guy that got up to sing a solo at church one Sunday. And when he was done, let me tell you, it was horrendous. I mean, everybody was just, didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. So when the service was over, finally the pastor went up to the guy at the end of the service. He put his arm around him and he simply said this, Son, I just want to tell you, that took a lot of courage to get up there and to do what you did today, but don't ever do it again. And then he said this, whoever asks you to sing ought to be shot. You see, there are some things that we just get into our minds that that's our gift when it really isn't our gift. But we see it in others and we think that ought to be us. And so we need to realize and accept how we are wired, how God has wired us and how God has gifted us. Again, God knows the big picture and he knows us inside and out. And when he gives us a spiritual gift or gifts, it is a gift that really meshes with the core of who you are. And if you haven't realized it or not, we are not the, all the same. I mean, just look around, and we're not all the same. We dress different, we look different, we act different. Because we are different. We're all wired up differently, and that's the beauty of how God has made us and made this world. And it's time that we accept who we are in Jesus and use those differences to advance the kingdom of God in this place. So, do you realize and accept how God has wired you and gifted you? And you add to that some of your life experiences, the victories, the accomplishments, the failures, the tragedies. In other words, the things that have happened to make you who you are. As we've said before, Everyone here is different, and we've had different experiences in our life, both good and both bad. And when you combine those experiences with the way God has wired you, let me tell you, ministry can be amazing. After all, who better to sit down with someone going through a divorce than somebody who's been there? Who better to sit down with a mom or a dad who is struggling with the loss of a child than her mom or her dad who have been there. Greg and Diana, Heidi, are still one of our closest and dearest friends. When I went to Bluffton, Indiana, Greg, I was the youth 
I was a worship and youth pastor when, when I first went there. And Greg was, and Diana was one of my youth sponsors. About three or four years in, um, they were pregnant with a son. A month before he was born, they found out he had severe heart defects. And uh, when less than a week after he was born, he died. Before that, uh, when I was in Wichita, Jeff and Janelle Dar were youth sponsors with me. This had been several years before Indiana. But they had just recently gotten pregnant as well. And in that fall, they found out not only did they have twins, but they found out one of the twins had died. A month later, the other one died. They lost both. Lucy and I were on a trip to Colorado to, to a conference, and I wanted to, I was trying to think, how could I minister to Jeff and Janelle because we were going to stop and see them. And this is what I thought, who better to minister to them than someone who has been there? And so I went and sat down with Greg and Diana who were in our church, and like I said, they were youth sponsors of mine, and I said, would you guys mind making a tape and just sharing your testimony and how God helped you through this? And so they did. They, they put together a video, and we took it with us, and when we got to see Jeff and Janelle, Janelle, we sat down with them, and we just prayed with them and said, we just want to give you this, and I hope that it helps you. And let me tell you, it wasn't long before we heard back and said, thank you so much, because that ministered to us so much. You see, who better to share with than somebody that's been there? Who better to share with someone who just got cancer than someone who's been through it? You see how God can work and can take the things in your life, those good and bad experiences, and mold them and shape them into something that can be ministry and how you can help others? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 again because the Apostle Apostle Paul goes on in verses 25 and 27. He says, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our togetherness as a church. Every part depended on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, man, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Paul wants us to understand that everyone is important. It's all of us together, working together for the body to function properly. I know a guy, true story. I know a guy who has the gift of helps. He's a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. He doesn't like to be out front. He's just behind the scenes. He just loves to say, I'm just happy to be a toenail in the body of Christ. You see, there's no such thing as a small player. There's no such thing as a small player in God's eyes. We are all significantly and supernaturally empowered people. 
Never forget that when it comes to our gifts, God knows what he's doing, and the Bible is very clear. There's not an A list and a B list of gifts. There's not a name brand list of gifts and a generic list of gifts. Guess what? Every gift has a, has a designer label on it from the Father. Every one of them. And if everybody would embrace who they are in Christ and the gifts God has given them and allow God to use them, then all the needs of the body would be met and nobody would be overworked and nobody would be burned out. You see, we are all on the same team. And here's what we have to understand. When we decide to sit it out, the whole team suffers. When we decide to set it out, the whole team suffers. Look at, first, look at Peter when he writes in 1 Peter 4.10, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. You see, when we use our gifts, when we allow God's generosity to flow through us, we can stand back with deep satisfaction and say, I was made for this. I was made for this. And the church flourishes. And a watching world will stand in awe of the God behind the gift. Let's reflect. You know, our church is an amazing place. I believe that with all my heart. It's an amazing place. But I don't think we have any idea how amazing this place could actually be. I mean, just imagine everybody serving with the right gifts in the right place, with the right people, with the right passions at the right time. Can you imagine being able to pass a microphone around a room like this and have every person stand up full of passion and purpose and humility and say something like this? Hi, I'm Brenda, and I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus with the spiritual gift of administration. And I serve by organizing children's activities during women's Bible study so moms can go and learn how to be true followers of Christ. I just love organizing stuff. I was made for this. Or, hi, my name is Courtney, and I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I've been given the gift of evangelism, and I really care about people. I lead a small Bible study at my high school. It was pretty scary at first, but I was made for this. Or, my name is Bill, and I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I've got the spiritual gift of leadership. I'm leading a small group right now, and I've never felt more at home. I was made for this. Or how about this? My name is Ryan, and I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus. I think maybe I have the spiritual gift of goofiness. I just love hanging out with junior high and high school kids. I love pouring the love of Christ into those teens. And I walk away thinking, I was made for this. Wouldn't it be amazing? If every single person, every single priest could stand and talk about how God is using their spiritual gift in their life. I mean, how awesome would that be? To one day be able to, to hear story after story after story like that. 
And to see people and to hear people full of passion, full of purpose, who stand up and say, I want to live beyond myself. Because I want to be the man, I want to be the woman, I want to be the young person that I was made to be. Let me tell you, friends, if I, I believe if that happens, all of heaven would explode in celebration saying, now there's a church that's getting it right. Do you believe that? There's a church that's getting it right. I guess the question is this. Do we want to be that church? Do we want to be that church that's getting it right? where we're serving and plugging in and using the way God has gifted us, whatever way that is. You see, it doesn't have to be an upfront gift. You may just enjoy cleaning up after the service or cleaning up after a kid's program or Sunday school. True story, one of our churches in California, this was years ago, had a senator from California that went to their church. When he was in town, he taught the toddlers. And you know where he was when the service was over? He wasn't talking with people, promoting politics. You would find him in each of those kids' room picking up trash and cleaning. You see, it doesn't have to be an upfront gift. It may be something very small. The, the point is, have you jumped? Have you jumped? Have you taken the the plunge? Have you tasted and seen that what God has for you is good? And he just wants you to to grow with it and to move forward so that the kingdom of God may advance in this place. So we might be one of those churches that heaven explodes with saying they're getting it right. They're getting it right. Adam's going to come and play and we're going to reflect. And as he does, here's my encouragement. I don't know where you're at, and I don't know if you've plugged yourself in yet, but if you haven't, my encouragement is to get plugged in. It's just to get plugged in. 